0: And I'm telling you I'm on the other side of so much of this and I look at mm. life so differently. I'm looking at my son's journey, 12 years old right now. Mm. My daughter's journey, 15 years old right now. Yeah. And I'm in such a better place to be able to come alongside of them as a dad mm. having dealt with all these things cuz you may package it up and say that doesn't that won't matter in in their life, but it does. It affects everything.
1: Sure.
0: It affects everything.
1: This is a Therapy for Dads podcast. I am your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we provide content around the integration of holistic mental health, well-researched, evidence-based education, and parenthood. Welcome. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Therapy for Dads podcast. I wanted to welcome a new friend, a new guest, someone that we've been connecting with probably over the past, I don't know, six to eight months, maybe even 12 months, kind of following the work that he and his wife have been doing, as well as getting to know him a bit personally. And so we've had some conversations and thought it would be a really important, needed conversation to have on, on the podcast and before I jump into the topic, I wanted to first welcome Terry. So welcome Terry.
0: Thanks so much, Travis. Yeah, it's it's really great to be here, and I'm so glad that we connected. I I think we we definitely hit it off when we had you on the Fresh Start Family Show. So I'm happy to be here on yours.
1: Yeah, yes. But so there, there's the pitch. She's on Fresh Start Family Show, which is what what is that show for those that don't know?
0: My wife Wendy Snyder. She she is. Fresh Start Family, Fresh Start Wendy. She really transformed our family dynamic inside, but then also had a calling to really reach as many families around the world to increase peace in their homes, too. We got an idea from a friend a few years back that said, you two should host a podcast and talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And she thought that I would be a good voice for dads out there because it's a, a much needed voice. And so I said, sure, I'll dive in. At first I thought it would just be on the technical side, making sure mics were right and doing all that stuff. But I found it was, it was a really freeing, healthy kind of space to be in. And so Wendy and I have had a great time doing it over the past couple of years. we got a lot of episodes and I've had a lot of incredible people on the show like yourself. So <laughs> yeah, so well, we're in, we're in the game.
1: Yeah, and it was great being on your guys' show and, and being able to sh- t- talk a bit more about kind of some mental health topics and men and emotions and kind of going there with you guys. And if you if you don't already follow them, it's a great show. And I do agree. I've listened to quite a few and you've had some amazing conversations on there with some phenomenal guests talking about really important topics that I think that parents face, that parents might not know how to address or what to do or how to navigate. But having these kind of dialogues can really help make you think outside the kind of outside of what you might be thinking and giving you some other ideas of how to address whatever's going on in the home. And and, and can you tell us a bit more about what you do, kind of outside of that, like your dad, yeah. obviously?
0: So, but. yeah, I'm a dad. You know, I, I, I definitely like to put that first. You know, if you're talking about priorities, you know, being a great dad is is the thing that I'm, I'm here on earth to do. But I'm a creative director by trade, so I lead a creative department at a sunglass company. Over the years, I've worked mainly in some aspect of sports or a brand that you know promotes sports from skateboarding to surfing to nba to golf to a lot of things so i've been able to do a lot of cool visual projects within that space
1: Hmm. and and i like the priorities dad for you is, is is a top priority and then your kind of occupation comes second is what i'm hearing
0: Yeah, I mean, it does. And then, I mean, I even try to blur the lines as much as I can just to expose my kids to, like, what it looks like, you know, on the other side of school and everything like that. I'll bring Mm. my kids on shoots when it's appropriate or things like that just to kind of just, A, it's fun to have them along, but also, like, I think about, you know there's this big barrier sometimes between childhood and adulthood. And I just love to blur the lines. I mean, I'm trying Mm. to remain as young as possible too. (laughs) So I'm like, I, I constantly try to surround myself with young people at work and I'm around, you know, so it's kind of cool when I get to do that. But yes, dad is, dad is, is, is definitely number one. And you know, it's an honor to be a dad first and foremost, you know, just Mm. to, be blessed with the opportunity to, to, to do that is incredible. And then I just look at my two kids and I just want the best for them. You know, mm-hmm. we get one shot at this, Yeah, you know, so, and not the, it, you know, and life is messy too. So I'm just like, okay, well, let's, let's get in there and do that and look at it from all angles. So yeah, I think that kind of goes back to like, you know, Wendy's calling to, you know, leave her old career behind and really dive fully into you know transformational parenting is like uh, a new language and doing you know positive mm-hmm. parenting is something that you know helped us so let's just stay in that let's stay in yeah. that space so yeah i try to i try to not like you know get too distant from even being a dad even when i'm you know step away from work because i i just want to live in that space i want to be mm-hmm. the best i can yeah and yeah always learning yeah always I- learning
1: I like that the blurring the lines between your role as a father and your role in kind of marketing and kind of helping your kids see that. And I do agree sometimes there's such a big gap between childhood and adulthood, but I think it's awesome. What a great model to have them kind of get a taste of what it might look like outside of school, high school, you know, college and things. I think that's genius actually to to bring them along and to see what dad does and be a part of that involved and kind of see how the world works within outside of typical, you know, school. And and so the topic for today kind of coming to why I wanted to have you on, it's it, it's similar to the theme of what you and your wife have been doing and you know what Wendy has been doing with this idea of positive, you know, parenting. Similar in the sense, different, but more about honing in on your journey as a man and around the idea of masculinity, what it looks like to be "quote unquote strong" versus "quote unquote weak." And so we've talked offline about that, and hearing your story, I think is it's a powerful one. It's just like how you guys have shifted from your old parenting model to what Wendy really helped and kind of you are also highly involved with, because it wouldn't really work if it was just Wendy doing this with your kiddos, but you as well. It, it, there's this kind of evolution, so to speak, from where you were and who you guys are now, and I think the same goes for who Terry is now versus who Terry was when he was five, 10, 15, right? So I'd love if we get to start to kind of talk about what that evolution has been like for you on your kind of journey as a man.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I'll give the flyby on some parts of my life. I know this isn't a therapy session, but feel free to stop me anywhere. If you're like, hey, 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 ba- back to that, you know? <laughs> so if I'm if I'm too quick set one place or go too long on another and you're interested, just, you know, call it out. I mean, it's it's a, it's a life story packaged into a short amount of time so mm-hmm. yeah i you know i grew up as a younger brother in a family pretty you know semi-typical family but if i could describe myself you know i definitely was you know i was a a, a feeler i wouldn't say i was overly sensitive but i definitely i have a lot of memories i remember everything So, you know, I could tell you so much about my my childhood and all the things that kind of like little pivotal moments and even just dreams I had as a kid. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I definitely was feeling my way through life as a young kid in, in elementary school, having a great time, a lot of fun. You know, I feel like I was, you know, always goofing around. I was always just kind of memorizing songs and jingles and advertising and all these things which kind of came into play later in my profession which was kind of just you know it served me later mm. you know i my my parents split up when i was in middle school i remember when they decided that you know they were separating in some way i kind of knew i always like looked at my parents and said wow these are two very different people how does that work you know mm. so when it was kind of validated that it wasn't working. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's not working. You know, Mm. my sister took it very rough. I kind of, you know, looking back on it, I kind of just, you know, Mm. put it down, kept, kept moving with my life, Tried to keep things positive. You know, I definitely have, you know, after doing a lot of work later, much later in life, you know, I look back and I had all these protections that I did that, you know, to kind of just make a joke or kind of keep things, keep things light and moving in life. Mm. Um, I also, you know, throughout elementary school, middle school, high school, you know, there was my side of exploring who I was through sports. And there was also just like what seemed okay and not okay, just as a personal, you know, from a personal perspective. So, Mm. you know, I can remember, I always just wanted to dress up and do different things and I'd see a hairstyle and I wanted that and I wanted that. And I remember sometimes there was pushback on that, Mm -hmm. not necessarily from my parents, but like, you know, my mom, I I love it. She let me be whoever I wanted to, but I, you know, I can remember being like, I want, I remember this vividly of like, I went from being like, I want Billy Idol's hair, which was like a spiked hairdo, which is like, okay, we can do that. And I remember at another point I was like, I want Prince's haircut, you know? And it being like, well, in order to do that, we got to curl your hair. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And yeah. I remember, you know, seeing I was surrounded by women. My dad was gone a lot working, but I had an older sister. I had my mom. My grandmother was by herself. A lot of strong women. And then yeah. there was, you know, girls, that my mom's goddaughter, things like that. They'd come over, get their hair permed, things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm in. Like, curl my hair, things like that. And I remember doing it and being like, you get reactions from people outside of my home. It's like mm. you're doing that. Like it, it was like this. That's that's weird. That's mm. you know. I remember dressing up. It was okay to like go in one part of the closet and grab dad's stuff,
1: mm-hmm. but if I
0: grab mom's stuff, oh, like you know, like that. That's something you you don't want to let people know. And mm. you know, I didn't grow up to be you know, a cross dresser or anything like that. I think I just was like, I was just open to like dress up, hairstyles, all of these things. But I found yeah. that like what I thought was okay, what maybe my mom thought was okay, society didn't think was
1: okay, mm-hmm.
0: you yeah. know? And then there's this, once you feel as a kid, this like being made fun of for yeah. something like that, then you're like, oh, there's rules that I didn't know about out in mm-hmm. the world of who a guy is supposed to be. Yeah. So there is that going on. Yeah. And then there's, you know, through sports, you know, I, the sports that I chose, I dabbled in a lot of little things, but then the things that I latched on to were ice hockey mm-hmm. um, and lacrosse. And, you know, I don't know that I'd call it a sport, but I also love skateboarding. Yeah, it wasn't an organ. <laughs> well, it is, but yeah. you know, I, yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a hot topic. Like even with sure, skateboarding, sure. they, yeah. you know. Yeah. A lot of skateboarders don't want to be called, it, yeah. True, true. It's, yeah. it's a whole lifestyle. It's a whole subculture. We yeah. could have a podcast just talking about skateboarding.
1: Yeah, um, we should. Actually, that would be fun.
0: We should. <laughs> and the differences of what I found, like if we're talking about like what was okay and what's not okay Yeah. within skateboarding versus, say, team sports. But Yeah. So anyways, ice hockey and lacrosse, you know, and my, especially my positions I found within those sports, I was defense- I was the person who was physically hitting people a lot mm-hmm. in lacrosse. My whole job was to chop people's hands and wrists until they dropped the ball. <laughs> and if somebody got in your space, you put them on their back. Yeah. And hockey was similar. But, and I was good at it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here on one side, there's this kid who wants to curl his hair like Prince and mm-hmm. do be very expressive. And then I, in my sports, it was very like, you know ah, like, and it also, the sports provided an outlet too. It was Mm. like, Hey, here's a safe space to do that. Yes. You can't, you have to follow the rules. You can't do it this way, this way, this way. But if you got some anger in you, boom, boy, that does that feel good to put somebody into the boards or like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of the, you know, in general, that was kind of the kid, you know, Mm. through elementary school going into middle school, I'm so thankful my mom allowed me to have all the haircuts that I wanted and do all the things, you know, but I did, I did, you know, I do remember people finding out that I curled my hair when I was in fifth grade, even after years later, when I'm in middle school and being like, not that again, type of thing, Mm. or, you know, stuff like that. So anyways, I think there was, you know, I I just wished I could like, push some of that down. and, And then I think after there was an awareness that certain things weren't okay, you start to like, hide certain parts of yourself and yeah. maybe be a little less expressive like hmm. than you once were. Yeah. And yeah, so so that kind of, you know, takes you to that time when my parents split. Yeah. And that was probably my first opportunity to be invited into a space to say, "Hey Terry, mom and dad are splitting up. We have somebody that you could talk to." about all of this Mm. and so my mom and dad said you know we have a a family therapist that we've seen we'd like you to go see her and so i remember being like oh that's interesting and i did it and i i can't say it was great or not great i just in in retrospect looking at it it was like you know hey i there's already enough problems going on Mm. if The sooner I can get to fine, I feel like we'll be okay. You know, mom and dad's relationship is obviously severed. My sister's taking this really hard. Do I need like the sooner I can get okay, the sooner all of this gets okay. Mm. So I I, I think I, I think I I checked the box. Okay. I checked the box, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's that was, that was kind of in a very quick nutshell, sure. elementary school and yeah. middle school, kind of like some of the bigger dynamics are at play and, uh-huh. and those types of things.
1: And I think what I'm hearing is, you know, you just trying to find yourself in the world, right? And kind of who Terry is, likes, dislikes, just expression. What does it look like, whether it's mm-hmm. in hair or clothing to now you know, fitting in or not fitting in in school versus home, right? It's, you have these different environments that what you're in, like the home environment, you got the school environment, then you got sports environment, right? And so you mentioned earlier some of these rules. You were having this realization of, of what it means to be a boy or, you know, yeah, a male, so to speak, or what it means to be masculine, right, In within that space. Can you speak more to that?
0: Yeah, sure. You know, I think, you know, the the rules seem to be, you had to, like, your look had to be within a range that was acceptable. Don't go too far outside of that, or or expect to be talked about.
1: Okay. So you if you're know, outside I of think, this range, expect to be talked about in a negative way, you mean?
0: Yeah, or just the topic of conversation, and then you're going to get probably a spectrum. It was like, yeah, it, you know, it's like, I, I watched, you know, I, I loved seeing, like, music videos and all this stuff, and it felt like, people could be literally anything. Hmm. But then in real life, people were all just shades of like vanilla ice cream, hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so that was a little confusing to me growing up because, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, it's probably another version of like, hey, I want to be an astronaut and I'd be like, yeah, you know what? That's something that people just see on TV. You don't hmm. really do that. Hmm. It was my version of being like, I, I want to look like that person or like, I want to dress like Prince or like this or like, you know, like you're like, well, that's not something you really do. That's, that, that's just on TV type of mm-hmm. thing. So that was an interesting one to, to discover that like, you know, that you could get like a negative reaction from just trying to live out or express yourself mm-hmm. in something that wasn't, didn't seem that weird to me. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you were finding pushback. It sounds like outside of your home from school culture, or maybe sports culture, where again, you have these, this is the range and you must be a shade of vanilla within here. And if, and if you're outside of that, then, you know, there's some type of being talked about or anything else that you, that you saw that would happen if you're outside of that, besides being talked about, was there anything else that you?
0: Well, I mean, luckily I think the, the yin to my yang on that was like, I was a, I was a tough enough kid that I, I wasn't going to get like, you know, physically, like, had I been a different kid, I probably would have been bullied a lot more physically. Hmm. I, I could, I felt like I could handle myself. So like, it never was like something that was gonna come to that. Although I always feared it would, hmm. you know, I think I, I walked around, you know, from the, like, you know, from the time I think I saw my first like fight, you're like, oh, I gotta be ready for that. Hmm. And, you know, I, I thought that was a part of manhood too. That it was like, oh, well, the day's gonna come. You better be ready. Always be ready for the that, that like worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And so I think that dances around in your head as something uncomfortable and unexpected that you have to be ready to like throw down and like defend whatever you're being made fun of for, or you know, eventually it became all kinds of other reasons too. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think it starts with that is like. If somebody is going to say something about you you got to be ready to fight
1: yeah yeah that was a, that was that that was what was expected of men or boys that you saw like this is yeah this is what it means to be a man that you're going to have to do this one day it's just a matter of time so i'm going to walk around kind of expecting or on guard so to speak that at any moment it can happen and i might have to throw down mine yeah a, i like that exactly kind of, yeah
0: yeah yeah. No, it it was and you know the sports that I played were very aggressive. Mm-hmm. The the music that I that really gravitated towards was really aggressive. I, you know, I got into, you know, probably when I was 10-ish, you know, it was it was heavy metal but then it turned into hardcore and punk music all through middle school, high school and even now. Like mm-hmm. hardcore music is was like my thing so like the moment I discovered like, whoa the pit, like all these things. Like it was like, I don't know. There just was this like that. That's somewhat what life is about. Like Mm -hmm. eventually you're going to have to like, you're going to have to use your body to defend yourself or to like hold your ground or hold your space. And, you know, I had already felt that somewhat in organized sports, but I was like, even beyond that in life, it was going to be even a more dramatic version of that, Mm -hmm. you know, and God forbid, like you were caught off guard or, you were going to lose a fight or something like that. Like the world would be over, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 And, and you mentioned with your parents kind of splitting, being a kid who is more wired, so to speak, more, your radar was more sensitive to emotions in a way, picking up more mm-hmm. in that way of sensitivity. Like you just, you, you have more frequencies that you can probably, <laughs> that you were able to kind of pick up. And then, so there's a lot going on. I'm hearing with this Terry, this kind of child, this, early teen, is that trying to find out who he is within this realm and liking expression that was kind of what you were seeing on music videos, but then the real world is saying, well, no, that's that's not okay. You still need to be vanilla, although mom and friends were okay with it. So you had kind of this ability to do it, but then once you left home, can't do that. So, okay, I can't do that. And then at any moment, what it means to be a guy is I'm gonna have to fight one day physically, like to, to defend myself or, you know, stand my ground on whatever it might be, maybe over my hair or, you know, you know, a piece of clothing I want to wear that someone may not like it and I have to fight, you know, and within all that too, you you, there's this other piece of you that said, I just wanted to make sure I was okay that you mentioned earlier and kind of just push things down and keep moving because everyone else in my family is having a harder time. So I just want to push things down and I want to keep moving because as soon as I'm okay, they're okay. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of, you even did this motion really kind of, you know, put it, put it down. So did that... Like, how did that play out in your life of just being, quote unquote, okay, and kind of putting certain things down and moving on to kind of keep moving? Like, what did that look like? How did that play out? What kind of impact did it have on you growing up?
0: Yeah. So high school, I think for most people is a pivotal time. I think for me, it was extremely testing, you know, so my, my sister went away to college. My dad moved out. I would see him, you know, maybe every other weekend, but it was just me and my mom. Mm. And my mom didn't move on from the the divorce super smoothly. She, I could sense a sadness with her. So there was more of this like, okay, now I'm kind of the the man of the house. And I'm also here to try to like lift spirits. Okay. Mm. So, so I kind of took on that role. And then within high school, you know, I think the things that you're trying to do then are... You know, okay. I'm trying to get grades. I'm trying to do the, you know, the ever evolving social kind of atmosphere. And then you're also seeking, you're seeking girls and you're seeking love. You know, mm-hmm. and so while I had, you know, several like kind of like you know middle school girlfriends and like people that you liked and we talk on the phone with, and you know whatever. I, you know, each time you look at them and you're like, is Is this it? Is this it? And Mm. I happened to, you know, meet a girl in it was my I guess it was my sophomore year, like just starting my sophomore year of of high school. Mm. And I was like, whoa, that you know, fell in love with her, you know, and she, you know, she she was she was incredible. And, you know, I she had similar, you know, friends of mine. I never knew she even existed, which was kind of strange, Mm. because I knew her sister. And it was just like, out of the blue, this, you know, came into my life. Now, entering a relationship, you know, with all that was going on in my home life, I so badly just wanted things to go right. You know, Mm -hmm. I watched my parents split up. I just was like, you know, I just wanted it to go right.
1: What did that mean, wanting it to go right? What what would that mean? If it went right, it would look like what?
0: I think, you know, she would feel the same way that I did, Uh. uh, that people would... You know, men are competitive, too. So even I was always paranoid that there was going to be somebody else that was interested in her because why wouldn't they be? So I think there was this paranoia that like she would somehow become uninterested in me at some point or Mm. that, you know, again, it was this like very like competitive male, you know, game that I had in my head. And to some degree, I feel like it was real. And there was probably a lot that was just made up, too. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I entered this relationship kind of just like, oh, if this is it, I got to hold on really tight to it, mm, you know?
1: Sure. Yeah, because then getting your home at the time was dad wasn't there, your sister just moved away, your mom's struggling, and you're just trying to make the helm like be okay, right? That's yeah. And I have an, like, an opportunity I'm now yeah.
0: to have a relationship. I certainly didn't want it to go the way that my parents, would. yeah,
1: right. And, so I got to make it work and cling on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Now, you know, you don't necessarily know all the things about the person that you're dating. You know, when you decide, you know, this is it. What I started to learn about her past was she had a rough past. You know, she, she had been to something like 15 schools in 15 years. Her dad left her and her two other sisters and mom, you know, early on. She had a stepdad now who was a cool guy, but it was, it had been a rough road for her and she was the oldest of the siblings. So she took on a lot of the, like, she became kind of a second mom, very young. Now, as I got to know her better, I realized that she was, you know, she had parts of her that felt very sad at some times. And, Mm -hmm. you know, learning about like this childhood, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. She's been through a lot. She, she, you know, you know, tried to take her own life as at age 10 by swallowing Mm. a ton of like pills. Mm. Her parents sent her or mom sent her to a place where she was, you know, a young kid with a bunch of other troubled kids. They made fun of her. They threw her in a trash can. They did Mm. all kinds of things. So she had, I think a lot of ambitions of what life would be and very low self worth Mm. and had a lot of things going on.
1: Looking back now, how was your little tenth grade brain processing all of that information? Because that, that's right—that's very heavy, very real, very okay, shit, hard stuff. Like, what was going on inside of you as you were hearing her go through this and talk about her life?
0: I think I just—I mean, I knew it wasn't normal, but at the same time, it was like, well, maybe this is what growing up looks like—is mm-hmm. that you know, life is super messy and mm-hmm. messier for some than others, but you you step into it be strong for the other person Mm -hmm. and you hold on tight and Mm -hmm. you you don't it's yeah it was it was definitely a lot but I think once you get past a certain point of you know caring for someone you don't care you Mm -hmm. just still do anything for them and anything to cheer them up and anything to be there for them Mm. and so and you also I think I started to feel like well hey here I'm the bright ray of sunshine. Mm. You're like, that was in the past. We're good now. Like, like, like all that's gone, you know? And as you know, that stuff just doesn't erase just because somebody walks into your life, no matter, you know, how much chemistry or or like care you have, you know, she had a lot that doesn't matter who walked into her life that she was going to deal with for the rest of her life. So, yeah. yeah, but I just thought, oh, okay, here I am, ah, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, it was
1: like hard, but also in your mind, it was like, okay, here, we're good, let's move, let's, okay, that's in the past, let's go, kind of almost different, but some of your family, like, I'm just gonna be okay, and let's just keep going, you know, which is not a, I think it's just kind of what makes sense when you're, I think, for a lot of us in 10th grade, or even adulthood, like, just, it's all right, we'll just keep going, which I wouldn't say that's a bad thing, I think it's just a way of coping, and let's just keep going, I'm gonna be positive, and make sure everyone's all right, and one foot in front of the other and make sure people are okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so that's kind of the way I carried on, you know, it was a two and a half, three year relationship. And
1: so through high school, pretty much all the way through, through
0: through high school, it it's, and through that time, I mean, I, I, there's, there was a lot of ups and downs, um, mm-hmm. you know, the downs included, you know, lots of, you know, pain for sure you know mm-hmm. she tried to end her life a few times while I was with her mm-hmm. a number of different ways mm-hmm. and you know I saw the inside of hospitals you know and all the things that come along with 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 that so that was that was that What's was that like it was it was bizarre it was like you were living in some sort of a movie mm-hmm. it was unpredictable again i think i couldn't fully relax most days because hmm. if if a day if it was a possibility that a day could end like that holy crap yeah you know there was a lot of numbing on my side you know i just assumed everybody kind of like you know you know drank and did stuff in in high school but i i I think you know probably some people did it for for laughs which maybe there was some of that in there but there was definitely numbing that was mm. going on for me just to kind of like cope and you know work my way through that yeah um, yeah yeah
1: well it sounds like yeah definitely coping me from like uh, this anxiety this you know how's today gonna go I mean I'm hearing I'm imagining this kind of tension constant tension of caring about this girl really genuinely right and as well as are we going to end up in the hospital again? And this is a movie and I don't want anything to happen. And so, and then I'm guessing stuff at your home too, dealing with all that of just mom still and dad gone. And were you talking to anybody at the time? Were, I mean, did you, was that kind of a thing to talk to people? You know, hey, I'm, I'm going through some stuff and hey, can I talk to you about it? Or was that just not even on your radar?
0: I think, you know, I had like a couple of my best guy friends that would be kind of up on what was going on, but there wasn't really like, long talks I think it was like hey let's get on to the the party and feeling better side of things and not that they were being insensitive to it I just don't think I don't you know I wasn't equipped to deal with it I don't they definitely weren't equipped to deal with anything like that and you know if and then if doctors weren't equipped to deal with what she was going through like who was you know yeah so I think yeah it was just kind of like keep moving do what you can to have fun be paranoid about what could derail her or our relationship and kind of just live in this like this space that I don't know you, I just didn't even know what like adulthood like what was on the other side of that like because mm. for myself too I think it, it it clouded my vision of like what does life look like beyond high school you know mm. what is what is all this? Because like I'm like, this is this is crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is crazy. And you know, so I think I I just held on to that. I didn't see a therapist in high school. I saw that that therapist in in middle school, my parents split. And then, you know, I'll fast forward some time. But you know, I there I did get to a point where I felt like as I was graduating high school and my girlfriend had already graduated, I just was like, I I'm going to go to college. The likelihood of us being together through that whole experience, I thought was semi low, even though I didn't know what life would look like without her. I just was like, I, I knew it was unhealthy. I didn't want to turn my back on her, but it just was kind of like, I'm going to go away to school far away. Mm-hmm. And so she decided to move to California. I was in Maryland at the time. Mm -hmm. I moved to Arizona to go Mm -hmm. to college. I went there and started college and it was, it was a rough year or so of isolation from my friends trying to adapt to a big school Mm -hmm. being without her. Do I still want to be with her? Do I not? I definitely wasn't like moving on in my head, like, Mm -hmm. and so yeah it was a it was a wild year of trying to like get myself on a new trajectory of life with a way you know on my Mm -hmm. own yeah and i was very much alone i felt like yeah i have to mention it because it was just a godsend that you know the one person that wrote me letters was a platonic friend of mine from high school and her name was wendy and she wrote me letters and she said, I hope we can see each other this summer. Wow. And so my first summer after my freshman year of college, we hung out. Mm-hmm. And about a month before I went back to, back to school for my sophomore year, my freshman year went horribly grade-wise. I'd never gotten that, that bad of grades in my life. Things changed for Wendy and I. And we started dating on my birthday. Mm-hmm. And, but a month later, I had to leave. So it, it was this jolt of like, wow, something new. And then I went back to, I went back to college alone, not sure what to do about this new relationship that I was very excited about and yeah. like in love with this girl. And, and then my roommate sat me down and said that my high school girlfriend, Kira had taken her, her life. She, and she died mm. by, by suicide. Hmm. And yeah. even talking to you about this now, yeah. like, and I think that's kind of the, the big message within this story is like, I dealt with it the way that I thought I needed to deal with it. Mm. My parents sent me back to that same therapist, but I very much clawed and fought for isolation, mm. to bury this down, and then again, to just protect this new relationship that I had at all costs because hmm. if that thing fell apart, mm-hmm. Oh boy, I really, I really had nothing. Yeah. I really had nothing. Yeah. So
1: it's like survival.
0: Yeah, it was. And I even fought to, I had a lease left on my apartment in, in Arizona. I decided to drop out of school. I told my parents I had a job so i and I was needed to stay and live out my lease in my apartment. I did not have a job. I just stayed in that apartment by myself for months mm-hmm. and And really, you know it was this this angel of a young woman named Wendy that if you can put together the pieces here, I ended up marrying her and having two kids with her, and we've been together since then, yeah. which is incredible, but that was the thing that I was like. Okay, I'm. I'm gonna move back home. I'm gonna be close to her, and that's that. That's that's it. That's for me. That that's it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting help came in the form of going to that same therapist that my parents had sent me to earlier. They were pretty quick to issue me some antidepressants. I can't say it really did. I I don't know what it did for me. Mm. I mean, I was still drinking and numbing and doing whatever you know. So who yeah. knows? Who knows? Yeah. And I also had a very confusing relationship with antidepressants because I saw it have, had a volatile effect on my, my old girlfriend and not right. all, I'm not trying to condemn sure, sure. that, but right. for her and a specific prescription did not yeah. react well. So I just mm-hmm. was kind of like dismissive of that, sure. pretty dismissive of the, the, the therapy.
1: And now for a short break. So if you're looking for ways to support the show and my YouTube channel, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. There you can make a one-time donation or join the monthly subscription service to support all that I'm doing at the intersection of fatherhood and mental health. And all the proceeds go right back into all the work that I'm doing, into production, into continue to grow the show to bring on new guests. So again, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. Thanks. And let's get back to the show. Yeah. And
0: I, I, I'll i fast forward a lot. I bottled it up for 20 years. Hmm. And I was scared to talk to anybody about it. Hmm. I was scared to say her name. It was about as final as something could be. It's like, well, yeah. I'm not going to bring anybody back. Yeah. So it was just, again, like, you know, get get on with life. And honestly, my life really it took off into a beautiful place. I figured mm. things out. Wendy and I went on this great adventure to end up in California, which we are still today. We, you know, all of these things really, I believe, even though my faith wasn't the same as it is now, I can look back and say, God was right there holding my hand and mm. ushering in these gifts and doing what, you know, needed to be to, to be done. And it's, uh, but actually talking about it, didn't happen for so long until I got into a went to a like a weekend course with like a small group and you know everybody's bringing some big thing to the table there and I watched people go through this process and I was like well yeah I guess I guess this is this is the time to, to say it and to do it yeah
1: and because was 20 it, years of keeping it down of not talking of While good things are happening on one hand, you've got this big, like, backpack with rocks in it that's just weighing you down and just kind of there. And I have to still have to numb from it. But amazing, Mm -hmm. it's like two things are happening, two lives. This amazing thing with Wendy and life, but this big burden that I'm still numbing from. And that you said 20 years, that's a long time. Yeah. And scared to talk about it. How do you talk about, you know, what you're right. I I can only imagine just like, what do you say? You know, how do you say that to someone or anybody? And, and then you go to this weekend and you hear people being vulnerable and opening and sharing big things and something, something clicked in you to say something.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, so it was, your infinite life. Our friend Pam Dunn. She she owns this company that does amazing work. And I was in the classroom with a couple of her, in, you know, instructors in a small group. And I, you know, they they definitely unpack a lot of different things. And it was very clear to me that like what my thing would be. Hmm. And so I just was like, and I think it also helped that there was like a level of anonymity to it. Also, it wasn't like I was going to say this to a friend and then have to like pretend to be normal the next day mm. or like, I don't know. Not that it was like, I don't know that I, it was shameful. I just, you know, if you're going to like lose it and ball and cry in front of somebody, I think it was kind of like, well, these people are all doing it and I'm not judging them mm. and I don't have to see them on Monday at work or do all this, like, let's, yeah. Like let's, let's, let's do it. Yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience just to like, just to say things, to talk about it, to go, go through that because there'd been all this time too that, you know, I have such a heart to like help people in whether it's, I mean, everybody's situation is different, but even if it's remotely like that, yeah. And I could help somebody, whether it's a little version of myself, a teenage kid or a girl that was feeling like she was. It's like, I'm not, you know, I know I'd have to go and do a lot of hours and, and you know, get some degrees to actually sit down and like deal with the like extreme version of it. But I was like, I, in some way, shape or form, mm-hmm. I have to help myself and go through this before I can even think about even like helping somebody else here. Mm-hmm. And I knew I really wanted to get to a space where I could do that one day. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess it's time to do what I need to do. Yeah. So that then one day I can help somebody else. And, you know, so yeah, so that, that was, that was a big deal for me. And I came home, you know, with a lot of those rocks in that backpack out, mm. being able to, you know, talk to Wendy about it. Cause she, you know, she was doing a lot of self growth work too. You know, I, f- I felt like, you know, we were, we were evolving and this was a part of that for, for me. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it, it became, I, I, I've done these weekend courses now several times. I've gone back and assisted, mm-hmm. you know, now after, you know, Wendy, you know, d- doing what she does and being a part of the podcast, it's like, now I can be like, oh, I'm going to call it, you know, my therapist, Dan, when I'm having, you know, an issue and I can talk to him from anything from work to something that happened like this, you know, in my childhood or any of these things. And I just, I know it's actually going to benefit. It's scary being vulnerable, but I know now that the other side of that is so worth it. Yeah. And culturally, you know, and lots of reasons like made it so that my mind thought that that wasn't, the case, mm. it was just push it down. Yeah. Time, time will heal all wounds. Yeah, and you actually need to be there to lift other people up, not the other way around.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Time will push it down. Time will heal all wounds, which is what you were doing from as far back as you can remember with your family and your parents and your mom. Just push it. Time eventually it'll be bent. even the girlfriend. It's like it'll heal, and then even past the girlfriend, twenty years later, but you found it wasn't really healing, right? Those rocks didn't go anywhere. They just kept they just kept adding they became weightier and weightier and weightier in your body and your system and then you had this epiphany and, you know seeing these people which i could understand that that okay there's some sense of freedom here because i don't have to see them right it's it's there is some sense of safety that i can cry in front of these people even though it's probably not typical but i don't have to see them tomorrow i don't have to, <laughs> it's in a way of like it's his own little world it sounds like this kind of weekend where i don't know these people not gonna see him again why not and that gave you the courage to get it out and then this path of realizing that time doesn't really necessarily heal. Sometimes it does. I like, no, will give it that. But other times it doesn't. Like you said, it just does rocks just sit there in that bag until you identify it and have a safe enough space. And so, so I'm wondering, coming full circle of, you know, Terry now, you know, what would he want to encourage, you know, a man, a guy going through something where he has like a bag of rocks and like how could he encourage, you know, younger Terry now, like with the wisdom you have and the experience, like what do you think... Would sink in or help sink in? Or what do you think he would have needed to like create more space to then allow a younger version of Terry to maybe say something sooner? Does that make sense? Like, what? Yeah. How can we do that?
0: Yeah. I think in general, you know, this is very generally speaking, guys kind of look at things as like it's either working or it doesn't, it's either broken or it's fixed. But this idea that, like, within all of us, that we're always growing into something new if we allow ourselves to. And we're always healing from something. And your mind will sometimes tell you that, oh, that backpack's not that heavy. Mm. Or, yeah, that's probably not broken. I'll just keep going. Yeah. Your mind will protect and excuse your way out of so much mm. in, in the name of moving on or being yeah. strong or resisting vulnerability. Mm. And what I would say is flip the script on that, even if it's in your own mind, the safety of your own mind for a second and really just say, hey, what if I can acknowledge that if I put it all, take inventory, just put it all out
1: mm-hmm.
0: and trust one person, with it. Pick anyone. It'd be great if it's a therapist, but if it starts where you just need to get, get something out of you and it's not, and it leads to that, wonderful. But just do it even if it feels like you don't need to, because I, I, I could make the case that everybody needs to do this and to take mm. inventory of what's going on, what are you carrying, what's what's really going on beneath the surface. And find any reason to do it for. I feel like men are also can be very prideful. They won't do something for themselves. Hmm. You know, do it for, do it for your daughter, do it for your son, do it for your friend. Do you know? So if you need to, like, a reason to do it, like, hold that in front of you. If you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for somebody else. Hmm. I would encourage everybody to do this. I, I don't think there would be a single person that wouldn't benefit being vulnerable enough to really inspect their past present Mm. worries about the future. Just, just put it all out there, find somebody you trust. I would say, I mean, I talked about moments that were like quite obvious moments to to do that in, but I would do it in, in a, in a not obvious moment. I, I would, I wouldn't wait for someone to die to do it or someone to get divorced to do it, you know, because those are, those are the two moments I did it. And I was still even dismissive.
1: And you can see, I held
0: onto that bag a long time.
1: And I'm wondering with that too, just quickly to see, so you did do it. You had opportunities twice that your parents said, hey, go here, go here. But there was something like, what do you think? And it might be more than one thing. But if you could give us something like one thing, because this might be helpful for men or even women listening to the show. Because sometimes we might have an opportunity, but we don't. So what do you think was in inside of you that didn't allow that, you know, to examine an inventory of what's inside? Like what was that?
0: You know, I think I and a lot of I don't know how many people, but I'm sure a fair amount of people have this when they get into a vulnerable situation, the script in their head immediately goes to escape. Escape mm-hmm. as soon as possible. Find sure. the find the path of least resistance escape. This doesn't this is not comfortable. Right. And I think prompting people the that that may happen and to hang in there anyways. That's one of the things that I've actually heard now, like say the the group that I went and eventually shared my some of my story with, mm. that's something that they say. It's like, hey, you might start to get these things and you might look at the door or be like, hey, I'm gonna excuse myself to the bathroom. They're like, just check in with yourself. And like, mm. if, if, if there's something telling you to run in this space, you don't need to run. So mm. I think something prompted like that mm. Could actually be the difference between getting somebody to hang in there or not.
1: Ah, yeah. So almost like pointing out their and and I've done a lot of work in polyvagal theory and some of the trauma work. So what what I hear you saying is that that's your that's your like that's your nervous system fighting to survive, right? Because that's running is fleeing, right? That's your autonomic nervous system: fight, flight, freeze, shut down, disassociate, right? So our nervous system does this to survive because, well, talking about this, that's a threat, right? That's a threat to. It's not safe to talk about this. It's never been safe. So your body's wired to survive. And so what I'm hearing you say is, let's point out that nervous system state. It makes sense why you want to maybe run or see the door because this is going to be uncomfortable, but we are safe here. Almost like call, you know, saying what it is and saying, no, we're safe. We don't need to run. This is a place that it, it makes sense. You're gonna, Your body's going to want to get away from this as quickly as can and move on because that's how we're wired. However, you know, this is something that we don't need to run from here. This is a place where... We're all going to feel that so i think that's really cool does that make sense
0: oh it definitely does because yeah the the longer you can just hang in there mm-hmm. the more you're going to give yourself a chance to like truly get on the other side of yeah. anything and it's uh, you know it's it's an interesting one because it is so counterintuitive to like i mean like you said you've studied all the science and everything like that it's like we are wired in in that way and then culture backs it up and then all your right. experiences back it up and all that stuff so you're just like wait I'm actually safe this right. will actually help me right are you sure this isn't gonna feel this weird now like mm-hmm. <laughs> in True. a few minutes or you know it's like so but yeah so I mean I, I guess that all could that comes down to two: just trust you know find mm. somebody find somebody you trust even if it's somebody that's and sometimes that's like somebody that's brand new, a brand new face. Like yeah. I said, because like trust doesn't mean your oldest friend, because sometimes that could be uncomfortable too. True. Trust could just be like, hey, I I have a d- decent enough feeling with this if I can just unpack, like mm-hmm. don't question it too much, just trust. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm telling you, I'm on the other side of so much of this. And I look at mm-hmm. life so differently. I'm looking at my son's journey 12 years old right now mm. my daughter's journey 15 years old right now yeah and i'm in such a better place to be able to come alongside of them as a dad mm. having dealt with all these things cuz you may package it up and say that doesn't that won't matter in in their life but it does it affects everything sure it affects everything so you know i take the brave step. I mean, any, any, listeners out there, it's like, just, just trust somebody, mm-hmm. put that, put that name down of who you trust and, and call them. Yeah. yeah. And, and please I pray if it's something that's, that's huge, like some of the things I've discussed, mm-hmm. you know, find a therapist and just trust that this will not set you back. If there's nothing that you, you will never regret it, mm-hmm. it may be uncomfortable, but it is not something that you're going to ever say, I shouldn't have done that.
1: I second that encouragement 100% that I could understand. I'm sure as Terry can, as he's working with people now, I'm, gets why it can be so hard to actually do this work and share it, right? Because there's so many layers, whether it's a fear or worry or your nervous system or being a guy, we don't talk about this. Or even, you know, women carry stuff too. It's like we, we have all these things that can keep us from actually finding relief and healing but i can say from also experience working with countless people in my office that i get it but when you actually start to do the work and heal it is uncomfortable absolutely i always warn my clients like you're gonna feel this now like you're actually gonna feel Mm -hmm. and that can be uncomfortable because we're used to just surviving which is numbing and getting away so i say that this is the hardest part is now when we actually feel it in the beginning because that's where you allow it to actually come to the surface and actually identify it. And that can just be uncomfortable because you're not used to it. You're not used to allowing those emotions or things to come to the surface because you've been so trained in yourself to push. It's like keeping volleyballs down underwater. You've been (laughs) so trained to keep these things down and what that feels like. And so for them to come to the surface is, this is weird. No, get them down. And so the final question you know, as we wrap up is, could you share like two or three things positive things that you've seen change since that the beginning of the transformation of actually allowing this to come out, sharing you know you know the burden, actually doing kind of an inventory and saying, "Wow, I've been carrying this stuff around, and now that you're on the other end of it, what are like two or three things that you've seen and examined in your life of the positive impact it's had of kind of essentially getting help
0: yeah, well, I think one is is like how i I mentioned it's like. I've always wanted to help others and so to now feel like I could be in a comfortable enough spot to like talk on this podcast about mm. this or talk to my daughter about tough subjects mm. to to really in a way it's like you know be able to step into my 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 full self because mm. to to take something push it down, is harmful enough for myself. But if really, in the end, there's somebody else that can benefit from my story, Mm. or, or wherever this journey goes, I just wasn't even allowing the like ship to leave the port, Mm. you know, and I so badly want to see where this ship goes in life. Mm. And I want to I want to be able to to help other people to be there for other people to so you know, I, I think I'm getting to like, see that. So, and it's just, it's just getting started. Hmm. So, so yeah, it goes back to, you know, so that that would be one. And I think, you know, within there, that's, it allows me to be a a better dad. Hmm. It allows me to be a more self-aware, you know, person, both in the workplace, but also in my relationship with my wife. Like I'm, I'm able to just be more myself, you know, Hmm. I've seen myself I'm more likely to get the haircut that I want now. <laughs> <for> I <I'm>, <laughs> I am more likely to wear the clothes that I want. I'm more likely yeah. to really step into like wow. all the things that that little kid wanted when I mm-hmm. was, you know, before any of this even happened. Yeah. I'm I'm more like that kid now at 47 mm-hmm. than I was for all those years. Wow. Because I think I just was holding so much fear. Yeah. of what it would be like to be vulnerable enough to fully sh- share yourself be yourself mm. and then ultimately like be a light to others through yeah. just being myself
1: yeah so yeah
0: i don't know how but, many p- things were in there but i think no, there was that's a couple a,
1: no, that's amazing terry and and really it is vulnerability is a true strength and i appreciate your strength and be able to share this and just all of that because that is so it's so heavy it really is I mean that's you know my heart and soul goes out to who and her and her family I've dealt with that on my end professionally as well and it's it's a hard it's a tragic thing and so I wish the I wish for anyone struggling anyone get help there's so much help now that the, the reality is that there are people to talk to like Terry said to not have to carry this weight that there is ways to navigate this to find safety to find healing. And it just takes that one time to begin to, to kind of share and start the process. And it might take time. It might take, you know, it's not saying it's going to be one week of talking to someone. But the reality is there's a lot of people that really can genuinely care, that will help, that are there to listen. And so, Terry, I thank you for your strength and just kind of embodying that and just being vulnerable and showing that strength of talking about your story. And kind of what you're doing now and I'm excited for you I'm excited to hear kind of the work you do and I, I I'll be following what you guys do and I still am with you, what you and when you're doing and you know now that you have this freedom to kind of really be a better dad a better father a better husband you know better able to connect with people that are carrying those rocks or those those packs and those those heavy then you know what it feels like and I think that's gonna for sure make you a better a better person because you have an empathy and understanding of what that's like to carry something heavy around for a long time and understand the fear. So you get to kind of speak to that, which is really, really amazing gift you now have to give away. So I, I bless bless you and all the work you and your wife are doing and continue to, you know, help people, whether it's on the podcast or if you're talking to people and you're in your work, you know, coming across someone and, your radar goes up and you're like, hmm, you know, like, that's the cool thing with this is as you begin to heal, like, who knows who you can impact in our life? Like, we can impact people that we never thought we can impact in just our day-to-day living. Where can we find your work and you and your wife's work?
0: Sure. So... Freshstartfamilyonline.com would be Fresh Start Family's site. So if you're a parent looking for any type of support, which we all need, Mm -hmm. um, go there. Wendy has an online course and community that's just amazing. People Mm -hmm. all over the world are a part of that. And it's been such an amazing way to connect with so many people and to bless so many people. I am at Terry Snyder Creative on Instagram. Wendy is at Fresh Start Wendy. If you're interested in just any of the creative work that I do, my portfolio site is TerrySnyderCreative.com. But yeah, I mean, that's that that's me. The Fresh Start Family Show, you can search that up on anywhere you find podcasts. Hmm. I am on a lot of them, not all, but definitely the ones that are more geared to, to speaking to the dads. So yeah, it's it's an honor to, to, to reach out and to connect with dads uh, and, mm. and you know help people in their journey and so this is a big part of that so thank you Travis for having me on you know this is this is uh, this is really really cool for me yeah. thank you so much and then and, and it's it's an honor to be able to reflect back on you know mm. all the things that make me me I'm, I'm sitting here one last thing before we go I'm sitting sure. in my son's room right now is it <laughs> like normally we do our podcast in, in another room but Wendy's doing a a different podcast there. So I was like, I got to pick a space. I sat down in my son's room and off to my left here, I'm looking at at his desk is a collage that I made when I was probably 11 or 12.
1: No way. And
0: I didn't intentionally sit down to have that in my oh, space, wow. but I'm looking at it and it's got, you know, my head glued onto like a professional wrestler's body, <laughs> but there's all these words too, like, there's, you know artist there's style free Mm. um have it all something else independent there's Mm. all these like photo of a skateboarder and like comic book stuff and like Mm. um all these things of like it just takes me back to like where uh, where i was at in that zone that that we kind of started at and then yeah i'm I'm getting to live that out now. I yeah. feel like and it's not just about like, oh, I get to be a kid again, but like I think there was that time where I, I just felt like I was like I didn't know what was next. I didn't know what adulthood looks like. It's like mm. I'm I get to do that still. Yeah. So it's like you're um, reclaiming
1: that child that, that that part of you that got buried underneath all those rocks. Yeah. Like you get the that, that part's coming out and a really cool expression. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So whatever that looks like for any of the listeners out there, look you you have a lot to look forward to. Just um, seek the help. I I really encourage you. So thank you, Travis. Yeah,
1: Yeah, thanks, Terry. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone.